Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. We kind of went into crisis mode to a degree where when she began exhibiting these symptoms and, and got the diagnosis, it was hard for her to function on days. And fortunately, I have family here in town. So there were times where the boys would go over to grandmama and papa's and, and stay there. Um, and times where I might have to stay home and work from home just to be there with her and to take care of her. Tim McDaniel is a pastor in the Atlanta, Georgia area and is talking about how he dealt with family and work life after his wife Diane was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Tim and Diane are the guest of Pastor Paul today on Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was Derek. a golden boy. And all we can do right now is come Extreme together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. I am so glad you're with us today on Life Support. What we do on this show is we tell stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ through suffering and trauma. And I know that's kind of an unusual thing to say, but we really believe that in those hard times of life, that's when Jesus makes himself known in in tremendous ways. I know I've experienced that in my life through many ups and downs, traumas and tragedies, and uh, I just really enjoy being here and meeting others who have their own stories to tell. Today's no exception. We have Tim and Diane McDaniel with us. Uh, They are in beautiful Georgia. Uh, Tim is a pastor at Eastside Baptist Church. He's a senior adult pastor there where Diane also attends, and I want to thank you both for being here. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having us. It's great great to have you, great to meet you, and your story, um, man, it rung so many bells with me and some of the things that we navigate in church life and as pastors and all of these things and just as people, you know, trying to navigate through a sinful world. So let me start with you, Diane, and tell me a little bit about your story and, and, and your struggles with mental illness and how this kind of took shape in your life and here you are in ministry together and now you've got to deal with this challenge. Tell me about that. Sure. I guess I'll start with, um, it was about 16 years ago. I, I started, I, I got the diagnosis of bipolar disorder. And it, it, things were happening in my life. I just had my third son and my body just was breaking down, if you will. My brain was not able to process. My moods were out of whack. Things were just starting to shift all over the place. And I do have a history um, from childhood of trauma and I have um, had bouts of depression and I had suicide attempts in my youth. But this was 15 years later past the, the suicide attempt that I had in high school and I just couldn't function. And I'm looking at my husband and I'm like, what do I do? Where do I go? And I went to the gynecologist and he sent me to a psychiatrist right off the bat. And I, what takes two months to get in to see a psychiatrist, I got in, in two hours, I had an appointment because I just could not, I could not um, come to grips with, I don't want to live. I don't want to be here. And um, he's like, you need to be in the care of a professional. And so he sent me to a psychiatrist and that day he told me, he looked at me and said, 
you have bipolar disorder. And I was not happy. I was not mm. happy with that diagnosis. I can imagine. And here's the interesting thing about church life, and especially when you're a pastor's wife. If you go to the doctor and, and he tells you, you know, you've got you've got cancer or you've got something that's physical that you need to deal with, you know, you've got friends you can go share it with and everybody's sympathetic and everybody understands and oh, you know, um mental illness kind of a different ball game, isn't it? Mental illness. Yes, and it's it's because um when you're in the church and you're diagnosed with mental illness, people don't understand it. They don't have an understanding of what mental illness is. They view it as it's sin in your life. They see it as you, you're lacking faith. And just all the things that come with being a Christian and being diagnosed with a mental illness. And I didn't have, I didn't have the support that people with mental illness need to have. Initially, I did not because the because of the education and the way people look at mental illness in the church. I went and talked to the leader in the church and he encouraged me not to go before the congregation and share that I had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Yet on the very same day that I was diagnosed with bipolar, there was a member diagnosed with leukemia. And his wife went before the church that Sunday and shared, my husband has leukemia. And I learned from that experience that bipolar is a no casserole illness. People surrounded the family with leukemia. He had leukemia. They surrounded him with love and prayer and he had casserole dishes and they took care of their needs. You know, what they could as a church body, they were able to rally around them and support them. Tim and I and my family were alone to deal with the, the new diagnosis that I had been issued yet I was not able to perform for my family the way I needed to. Yeah, and, and to add a little bit to that, when we went to our pastor and shared that, he, he had his own experiences and his family with mental illness, and he had experienced, and this, again, 15 years ago, had experienced what his brother had gone through and how hard that was to navigate and so he felt like it was for our protection to not really go forward and public with the diagnosis at that point, um, just out of her protection and or stigma. Um, just yeah, with the bit to have a stigma placed on her, all those things we talked about, and um, and it's it's amazing how far we've come in 15 years. Yeah, and at least people are able to open the door now and, and, and have that discussion. And, and, and Tim, l let me just ask you a theological question. Um, like, you know, we're pastors, so we know everything. And, and people ask us all kinds of crazy questions, right? Um, theologically speaking, um, how do we look at mental illness? Because uh, physical illness seems to sit really well, as Diane just described, and people know what to do, and they're, you know, obviously... We can pray through this, and you know God will enter in at some point. And um, why not the same for mental illness? Do you think? Well, I think it's you know again, 15 years ago, it was my first experience with anyone that I really was close to that had a mental illness, and so I I really wasn't 
I mean, I, I, I didn't feel like there was a huge stigma from the people that I knew. I just knew that they had issues. Now, you know, there's what Hollywood, you know, had portrayed, you know, of, uh, of, uh, of institutions and, and people who were severely uh, disabled with mental illness. And so you have people who have that understanding, but theologically, I did not um, have great struggles. I knew that my wife was sick and it wasn't her fault. And um, I knew that there might be some issues of the trauma that she experienced in her, her childhood and youth and that played a role in it. And so uh, I, I knew God was sovereign and I knew that, that this world has fallen and that, um, that there was a reason that we were having to go through that, one that we didn't understand. Um, and it was new and it was scary and it was, it was very hard. And so um, I had some support, a little bit of support that some people knew, but we did not broadcast it outside of our very inner circle of, of friends. And so um, it, was, it was difficult in those early days. Yeah, it can be it can be very lonely, and that's that's excellent theology. And I think the word "scary" is uh, why a lot of people pull away. And Diane, so you're now you've been you've been diagnosed with this brand new thing, and uh, you heard the words bipolar, and now you're grappling with that, and you've been told to kind of lay low, you know. And uh, what? How did you begin to process that and move forward? Well, for the first three years, I did lay low. I kept it. I kept it quiet. I had a couple of hospital stays. I didn't let Tim tell anybody where I was. Um, so I didn't have the support when somebody who is physically sick and goes into the hospital, and when they come home, they have some recovery time because of the help that the church members are reaching out and doing what they can to supplement for or to yeah to supplement for what's going on. So I ended up at the end of the three-year mark, I was like, I'm just going to come out. I'm tired of living in secret. I'm tired of having to hold this by myself and carry this by myself. And I had reached a place and a confidence with the diagnosis that, okay, I have this. Whether people believe it's a legit, a legit illness, it's um, something that, you know, we all, that many of us struggle with and whether they understand it or not, I have it. I know that I have it. And so I'm going to move forward and I'm going to do for somebody else what I want to done for me. So I wrote a book. I've spent several years writing a book on my experience with bipolar disorder. I wanted somebody when they're diagnosed to be able to go to the internet and say, oh my goodness, there's somebody out there that has my similar story and could read because I searched the internet for people I could connect with during that time. And there was nothing, there was nothing for me to connect with. And so I went, I liked the, the concept of your program of reaching others who are in similar situations and reaching out to, um, to be a support, to be, um, to be what the church is called to be. And, um, so I, I just came out and I decided I'm no longer going to be in secret about this. It's not, I didn't cause this. There's no shame in having bipolar disorder. Yeah, I'm sure that was a difficult decision. What kind of reaction did you get? 
well, I made a video. And so I didn't get to see everybody's reaction. <laughs> um, I made a video that, that chronicled my, my life, my journey with bipolar. And people were okay. People would come out and say, you know, I have a nephew or my aunt Susie, or they would just start sharing their personal stories with it. And it, it just made me feel less alone and it encouraged them at the same time because I wasn't the only one out there. So let's talk about the marriage perspective of this. Here you are, uh, you've got children, you're married, you're in ministry, you've got all these other pressures on you. How did this affect your marriage? Well, I mean, it was, we kind of went into crisis mode to a degree where when she began exhibiting these symptoms and, and got the diagnosis, it was hard for her to function on days. And fortunately, I have family here in town. So there were times where the boys would go over to grandmama and papa's and, and stay there. Um, and times where I might have to stay home and work from home just to be there with her and to take care of her. Um, and so it was, it was kind of survival mode. And um, we had been married for 11 years when she got the diagnosis. And we had, uh, I guess, what, an 18-month-old and a six- and seven-year-old, uh, three boys at home that had, you know, the older two were playing baseball and had stuff going on. And I wanted to make their lives as normal as possible and to keep them going. And, and so it was juggling and it was, it was not easy, but, um, but I had, I knew I had to be there for supporter and, and, and have empathy and concern. And, and whenever she couldn't do whatever, I just had to figure out what we needed to do to keep things going. And, mm -hmm. and Diane, did you feel like a burden at that point? Absolutely. Absolutely. I felt like such a burden. Um, I didn't want to be the cause of holding my boys back from doing any of their activities. I didn't want to be the cause. So I did do a lot of retreating and I would go to my room and I would just, I didn't want to be alone. That was the last thing I needed was to be alone, but I didn't want to be responsible for my family not being able to participate in their sports and their activities that they had going on. So I just, I, I did retreat and I used a lot of that time and I would write and I would um, journal, but we also know just, just a typical marriage is hard. So take a typical marriage and the challenges that are, that are before a typical marriage and place mental illness into the mix and it creates an even bigger challenge and a bigger and we didn't know, I knew, I knew a little bit about mental illness because I have a master's in psychology. So I knew enough to know that I did not want bipolar disorder to be my, my illness. And um, Tim was not, he was not educated on the illness and things that I could challenge future spouses to, to do when somebody is diagnosed with something in the family, do your very best to educate yourself as much as possible about whatever illness you are faced with. 
because the education takes away some of that fear and that unknown and that anxiety. So I'm a big proponent on educating yourself. And one, one thing I'll add is that as you look back and how God put us together, um, we're, we're very, our personality, she's very outgoing and life of the party. And I'm a little bit more reserved and, and um, laid back, easy going. But I think God put that in me to be able to handle the ups and downs of, of her emotional stability. And I was able to bring a little bit more calm and, you know, not reacting to the ups and downs, but just riding those waves with her and, and being there. And um, I think, I think with the way God made me, I've always said he made me to be her wife so I could handle uh, or my husband to be able to handle the, the ups and downs of what we were facing. More from Pastor Paul and Tim and Diane McDaniel in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program. And we're excited to introduce a brand new video curriculum series called Caring for Mental Health. This 10-part series is available at no cost and is designed to help you and others come alongside those who are struggling with mental health. If you'd like to learn more, go to lifesupportresources.org, lifesupportresources.org. And now, back to Pastor Paul. We're talking with Tim and Diane McDaniel. They're talking about Diane's diagnosis of bipolar and, and life in ministry after that. Um, Diane, so you mentioned that you would retreat some, you'd go right, you would, you, you would be alone. How did God enter in to those times when you were kind of thinking through this and grappling with it? And here you are, a Christian, and you have all these belief systems that God's in control. And, you know, we, we all believe that and we know he loves us. But bipolar God, really? I mean, how did he touch you at that time? Well, I'm just going to be honest. There were times that the grappling was so intense, it nearly cost me my life. So I did try to take my life. Um, throughout my lifetime, there's been three different real episodes of suicide. And so I did go forward. My um, Two years ago was, was my biggest attempt ever. I went ahead and just, I wasn't, I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't take it. I'm like, God, you are sovereign. You are Lord overall, let me help you out. Let me give you the, the next step. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to help you out here, God. And so I learned a huge lesson in that when I woke up after my attempt and I'm in the, I'm in the emergency room surrounded by medical equipment and surrounded by just hospital, hospital stuff. And I'm looking around and I'm like, I can't do it. I can't even do it. I can't take my own life. And that's when it was just like the sovereignty of God became so real. It's like you are sovereign. And even in the midst of my most intense pain, my most intense moment of not wanting to be here, you were like, Diane, you are my child. And I will bring you home when I'm ready to bring you home. 
you are not in charge. And so it's just his sovereignty is what has spoke to me throughout my journey. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because two years ago is not a very long time. And it's still very fresh, and I appreciate you sharing that. And those are things that we normally, you know, at least I can speak for myself. There'll be there'll be days when when I'll be struggling with depression, and and then I walk into church and how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, good to see you. And and, and there's some wisdom in that because you don't want to like just dump on everybody. You know, you can't you can't you know carry this around for everyone. But I find it very difficult to be transparent and honest. Um, and I think it's a lot my issue, but I think it's also the issue of the culture of, of church. So how do you talk to people about this when you run into them and they ask you, how are you progressing? How are you doing? Um, I am at a new place in my journey, and it's a place of just not, I don't have the suicidal ideations on the level that I had before my last suicide attempt. I don't have that. I still have the mood fluctuations. I still have moments where I want to go off the meds and just see, you know, maybe if I get off of this, I can have more energy or maybe I can, and I want to try that and I react and I don't, and I have the mood episodes, but um, for the suicide attempt, it's, it, I don't have that longing to not be here anymore. I don't have that long. I just want to be with Jesus. I, I see it now as, okay, Diane, you are on this journey. You have written a book and now you are offering hope, the hope of Jesus to other people through your illness. And um, it's, I can't explain it to you other than I just don't, I don't think about death and dying all the time, the way I did pre suicide attempt. It's like, God has just, shown me his sovereignty and I don't it's there's hope there's just hope outside if he can do that for me I never wanted to be here and I just begged and pleaded but his sovereignty was just when I woke up and I'm like I'm still here and you know okay Lord use me do what you can with my story to yeah. bring others to you and that's a sign of healing, uh, for sure, that God's doing in your heart and your mind and, and uh, how you see things. Tell me about the book. Is that available for the public to read? Definitely, yes. It's titled Journals from a Broken Mind, and um, it just came out in November. And I have a website um, titled journalsfromabrokenmind.com. And you can go into the book section of the website, and you can purchase the book if you want. It's just journals my story from birth to basically my suicide attempt, um, post-suicide attempt. So it's, it has all my struggles, my hospital stays, and the experiences in the hospitals, um, which are not pleasant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure that's going to help a lot of people. And so... We want to have you back, and here's here's a question I'm going to ask you next time. So I'm I'm now uh, teasing this, and I'm warning you, okay, about this question. God is a God of love. God says He loves us. Then how could He allow, cause, or whatever kind of word you want to use there, this kind of hardship on one of His children? That's what I want to talk about because 
I think this is some of the block that we get when we try to talk about this in church and why people kind of want to stay away from it because it doesn't always logically line up. But I appreciate you both being here this time, and I wish you both the best. You're having a great time in Georgia these days. We're talking sports a little bit. Everybody's winning everything down there, and uh, congratulations. But uh, more than that, thanks so much for sharing your story. I really appreciate that. Thank you, And, you know, we talk about God and we talk about his love. And Psalm 73, 26 says this, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And we do live in this fallen world. It's a world racked with sin. It's, it's a world racked with suffering. But God is our strength. God never fails. God never changes. And so whatever you might be experiencing right now, take hope that God is with you. God hasn't changed. God is faithful forever, and he loves you deeply. And that's what we want to talk about here on Life Support. We want to tell stories that bring Jesus into these situations of trauma and suffering and confusion and uncertainty. And I'm so thankful for our partners that help make this happen. Faith Radio, they've been wonderful to us. MyFaithRadio.com. You can see a video portion of this podcast on Five Stone Media's website. That's FiveStoneMedia.com. And you can always check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well, myrwc.org. So again, thank you so much for being here, and we'll catch you next time on Life Support. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support